Welcome to the Powers on Sports podcast for the week of December the 10th. We are less than two weeks away from Christmas, so hopefully if you've not started your shopping, you better get on it. You better get on Amazon and get out to your local vendors and start shopping because it's coming. I'm your host, Jason Powers. Down here in Tampa, Florida, tonight we are going to discuss several things in the world of sports. We're going to talk a quick recap of the Heisman Trophy. We're going to talk the NFL week 14 and 15. We're going to recap week 14 quickly and then preview week 15. We're going to talk a little MLB hot stove. The winter meetings just concluded out in Las Vegas, so... Going to try to give you a little bit of analysis on kind of who, who we think is going where and kind of some moves being made and all that good stuff. So love to hear your some feedback from you about the podcast. Would love for you to subscribe. We're on iTunes now. We're on Stitcher. You can also catch us on Libsyn, who is our, is our hosting platform. So definitely check us out, the Powers on Sports podcast. You can send us feedback on our Twitter via Twitter at at kick the FB at kick the FB football but FB so uh, again want to give a quick shout out to a but a, a good friend of mine named Cody Mills I've coached Cody with since he's been about the eighth grade Cody's a senior at Delta State University He's the punter for the football team there at Delta State. It's a Division II school in the Gulf South Conference. And Cody was named, for the second time, he was named the All-Gulf South Conference Punter of the Year. And just yesterday, he was it was announced that he, he made the Division II All-American team. So, big shout-out to Cody Mills on a great career and we hope that Cody maybe is going to get maybe an opportunity to uh, work out for the AAF, the new Amer- the new football spring football league that's coming out. And so we big shout out to Cody Mills, my buddy, and uh, come from a long way back from the, working with you for many a year. So lots of hard work for Cody paid off, and congratulations. All right, so let's get into the Heisman Trophy Award, which was given out last Saturday in New York City. Kyler Murray of Oklahoma takes home the the trophy this year in a very close race versus Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama with Dwayne Haskins finishing third. The big controversy or the big discussion point is, you know, Kyler, Kyler Murray's performance in the last couple games of the year, he had two big wins, come from behind wins at West Virginia, and then he beat Texas in the Big 12 championship game. And then he had Tua, who kind of struggled in the two big games of the year. He struggled a little bit against against LSU, struggled a little bit against Auburn, and then against Georgia, he was not very good prior to him getting injured. So... I think lots of people uh, kind of took into a, to the effect of uh, what kind of what have you done for me lately in the last two or three weeks of the season. Kyler Murray was uh, was kind of forced due to the circumstances of his team always being in high scoring games as Murray was forced to put up big numbers, continue to throw the ball where Tua was at a little bit of a disadvantage from a statistical perspective in the fact that the tide were always ahead for the most part, big lead, so he. 
up until the Georgia game and the Auburn game, I don't think he played in the fourth quarter almost at, at all, virtually at all. And uh, so most of his stats were, were, were three quarters worth of game stats. Um, you know, his the, the competition, the, 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 the games that they played, there were not a very many competitive games for Alabama this year, whereas Oklahoma was in many, many uh, shootouts and close games. So, uh, again, could go either way. I would have voted for Tua personally, but Kyler Murray had a great year, tremendous, uh, tremendous talent, two sports star. Murray's big decision is going to be coming in the spring is whether he's going to go to spring training or if he's going to prepare for the NFL draft. He's he's not not coming back to Oklahoma no matter what. Murray was a first round draft pick uh, of the Oakland A's. He's an outfielder, I believe. I believe he's a center fielder. So the big talk is obviously that everybody's under the assumption that he's going to pl- go to the major, you know, go to spring training and, and start his minor league career. But it would not shock me in the least that if he gets to, you know, February or March projected to be a first-round draft pick that he gives gives the NFL a shot. Um, or he could go play baseball for a year or two, see how that goes. If, and if by the time he gets to be in 22, 23 years old, if he's not in the major leagues, it could be something where he, he reverts back to uh, his football career and, has an opportunity. Either way, it would not shock me if some if he decides to play baseball, if somebody in the NFL draft this year doesn't take a fifth or sixth round draft pick and invest in him as a fifth or sixth round draft pick, if uh, you know, and they'll be able to retain his rights uh, down the road. I believe that's how that works. So, uh, <clears throat> Kyler Murray wins the Heisman Trophy for 2018. Uh, Tua, who's who's recovering from an ankle injury, hopefully. And the, the, the cool thing is these two guys will get to play each other in the first round of the semifinals of the college football playoff. It'll be Oklahoma and Alabama and down in the Orange Bowl. And then you'll have Clemson, Notre Dame will be playing in Jerry World in Dallas in the other semifinal. So uh, Tua will definitely be, have some motivation from, from the Heisman Trophy uh, scenario as well. And again, the big question with two is, will he fully be healthy at a pretty uh, significant ankle ankle injury in the Georgia game, had ankle surgery. And if you saw the Heisman trophy, you saw him, he was walking around kind of in a walking boot. So it will be very interesting to see how he recovers. Again, we're right about two weeks and two days away from the game. So not a lot of time left to recover. Nobody obviously knows the severity of the injury, but it looks like it was a pretty, pretty decent ankle sprain. And uh, so it'll be very interesting to see how uh, all that unfolds. And we will give you a preview of the two playoff games next week. Uh, next week, just to give the all you guys a heads up, I'm going to be in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm going to be making my kind of broadcasting uh, analyst debut. I'm going to be working with my buddy Andrew Felios, we're going to be working a women's basketball tournament, Division One basketball tournament called the Duel in the Desert out in Las Vegas. It's going to be hosted at the U at the UNLV campus. Going to have uh, the teams of the likes of University of Florida, University of Kansas, Northwestern, Hawaii, Utah, Washington State, Wichita State, Lady Shockers. Um, you know, so it's going to be a pretty pretty uh, eclectic. Uh, array of women's teams we're gonna be doing me and andrew are gonna be doing eight games on the flow sports network it's gonna be live streaming on flow sports so it's gonna be a fun awesome experience being doing my first uh you know 
color action. I'm going to be working with my good friend Andrew Felios, who works for ESPN. So we're going to be doing lots of women's college basketball. I'll be heading out to Las Vegas on Tuesday afternoon. We start calling games on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, I'll be staying out there on the Strip out at New York, New York. So we'll, we'll, we'll find a little bit of time to have a little bit of fun outside of the games. We might venture into a casino or uh, or some entertainment outside of the uh, the arena out at UNLV. And we're going to have a great time out in Vegas. So I'm looking forward to that. And so I uh, would love to, have, again, check it out. Check us out on Flow Sports. FLO Sports, I believe, is .com is the website. We'll be live streaming again next Tuesday, next Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The Duel in the Desert Women's Basketball Tournament. So if you're a women's basketball fan, of uh, any of those schools, love to check us out. So, all right, let's go to the NFL. Let's do a quick recap. We had a pretty dramatic week of action last week in the NFL. Pro maybe one of the pro probably the best weekend of action in the whole league uh, to date so far. We had the Miami Miracle. We had a big upset in Oakland where the Raiders beat the Steelers. We had a pretty compelling game with the Cowboys and the Eagles that went, went dramatic game that went to overtime. We had Monday night, we had some controversy in Seattle with the Vikings and the Seahawks, which then resulted in the offensive coordinator for the Vikings, Filippo, John Filippo, getting fired the next day. So lots of great games. We had the Cleveland Browns, another good win against the Carolina Panthers. We had the Saints come from behind and beat the Buccaneers and clinch the NFC South. We had, the again, the Panthers are in free fall, losing their fourth game in a, fifth game in a row. We have, again, the Cowboys winning their fifth game in a row, taking a stranglehold of the NFC East. Um, we had the Bears with a very emphatic win on Sunday night football against the, the Rams. Made the Rams look silly with their with the Bears. The Bears' defensive effort was tremendous against a very poor performance by Jared Goff and the Rams. So, uh, first of all, let's get to the Miami Miracle. Of all teams, for a for a double lateral sixty nine yard touchdown to happen in the last play of the game, would you would think would be the New England Patriots? And guess what? The New England Patriots got outmaneuvered in a in a late game situation. One of the few times you'll ever see the Patriots get uh, just whether it's out coached, out executed, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they just had a full meltdown in the last play of the game. You had some uh, other other issues during the game for the Patriots. You had Steven Goskowski miss a, a field goal and an extra point. You had Tom Brady make a, a very uncharacteristic mental mistake at the end of the first half. He didn't have any timeouts and took a sack on the 10-yard line with less than 10 seconds left in the half, and they didn't get another playoff to be able to kick a field goal. Then you had late in the game, the Patriots were up two points Inside the Dolphin two in the last minute of the game, and the decision was: Do you kick the field goal? Do you run a play on fourth down? What do you do? The Patriots ended up kicking a field goal to go up five points with about 18, 19, 20 seconds left in the game. Which, when I was watching it in real time, I thought that was the right play. They kick a field to go up to a field goal to go up five points. So a the only way they would lose would be a touchdown. They end up kicking off to Miami. Miami returns the ball to the 31, gets down to, I think, nine, nine, 9 or 12 seconds. And then you have the Dolphins. The other decision before the Dolphins run the play, 
The Patriots put their Hail Mary team out on the field, which includes Gronkowski as kind of the deep, uh, the deep man. When you take while, while taking Devin McCourty, they're probably their best secondary player off the field for this Hail Mary defense. You know, the Dolphins throw about a 20-yard pass to Kenny Stills. He gets loose. He pitches it to Devontae Parker, who then pitches it to, to Kenyon Drake, who, you know, does a little bit of, of maneuvering in and, out, in and out of a couple guys. And all of a sudden, he's in a one-on-one situation with Gronkowski at about the 20-yard line. Gronkowski stumbles, <coughs> taking a step to try to get to try to force Kenyon Drake out of bounds. And all of a sudden, he stumbles. Excuse me, and Kenyon Drake beats him to the corner and beats him to the pylon for just a, an incredible finish in Miami. Miami keeps their playoff hopes alive to go to seven and six. The Dol- uh, the Patriots take a tough loss for home field advantage purposes. They were fortunate because Pittsburgh also lost, Houston also lost, but they really could have uh, made a move and, and and got within one could could have tied Kansas City. Uh, on the, in the loss column, but they took a horrendous loss. You know, everybody's blaming Gronkowski, but I don't blame Gronkowski. It was more of a, of a defensive lapse by the by the play call by Belichick more than anything else. And and bottom line, it's a once in a it's once in a twenty five year play. You know, it's probably the we've never seen a game end like this on a double double lateral in the NFL, and I can't remember in my lifetime. So, I mean, we've seen hail marys get caught and all that stuff, but I've never seen a, a seventy yard double lateral uh, situation happened like that for a game-winning touchdown. So, interesting game there. You got to Pittsburgh, you got to Oakland, where the Steelers fall to the Oakland Raiders in a huge game for the Steelers in the division, in the race for the division. You had kind of the controversy. Ben Roethlisberger got injured, had a rib injury in the second quarter. Apparently, he doesn't come back into the game until late in the fourth quarter. Kind of the, the sense was, well, we're winning 14 to 10 against the Raiders. The Raiders aren't very good. We can get by with Josh Dobbs, our, our backup. Dobbs doesn't play very well. Oakland takes the lead late. Roethlisberger brings them back and and takes the lead once again. And then Oakland scores on a fourth down play, fourth and goal, uh, late in the game with less than 30 seconds left in regulation. Where I think Mike Tomlin mismanaged the clock on defense. Oakland got a first. Through a long, about a 35, 40 yard seam route to the Oakland or to the Pittsburgh seven or eight yard line with about a minute, minute 40 to go. Pittsburgh had timeouts. Pittsburgh would let first down happen, which was fine, down to about a minute seven. And after first down, they don't call their time, they don't use one of their two timeouts and in, in, in allow Oakland to run the entire clock down to where even if Oakland scores, Pittsburgh's going to have virtually no time. So Pittsburgh ends up scoring on fourth down with about 30 seconds to go. Pittsburgh runs their own version of a hook and ladder play for about 50 yards all the way down to the – sets up a 40-yard field goal. Chris Boswell, who's really been struggling the last months of the season, comes in the game to try to kick a game-winning field goal, slips on the turf. Everybody blames the turf, but his technique was terrible. He rolled his left ankle, his plant leg, nothing, nothing to expect but two falls. So – he slips, falls, field goal is not good. Some controversy after the game. Could Ben have come into the, back into the game earlier? Could he have not have? You know, Tomlin made the uh, reference that, you know, Ben could have been back in the game a series or two prior to when he actually did come back in the game. So 
Lots of drama going on in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's lost three in a row. They're a half game up in the AFC North over, over Baltimore, who lost a tough game, a great game, an overtime game in Kansas City. They played very well in Kansas City, but came up just short in overtime. So now Pittsburgh is up a half a game when they got the Patriots coming to town and they got to go to New Orleans in week 16. So there's a very real chance that Pittsburgh, could, if they lose both those games, they could be out of the playoffs completely. And if they were to win one of the two games, they'll probably win the division. But Pittsburgh needs to find a way to win one of these next two games or their, their, their playoff hopes will be in serious jeopardy. You have the Dolphins, you have the uh, Colts, you have the Titans right on the on the heels of the uh, of the Ravens and the Steelers uh, for that last for that sixth playoff spot. Right now, the Ravens hold the sixth playoff spot, while the while uh, Pittsburgh holds the number four seed in the AFC due to the fact that they're leading the division. San Diego is kind of locked into the number five seed going into tonight's Thursday night game, which they just pulled out a stunning victory in Kansas City. By going for two on the virtually the last play of the game, they were down 14 points in the fourth quarter, come back and score 15 unanswered points in the last five minutes. Phillip Rivers plays tremendous in the fourth quarter. They score down one point, 28-27. They decide to go for two and hit Mike Williams uncovered on the two-point conversion and win the game in Kansas City, 29-28. They're tied with Kansas City on records at both at 11-3. Kansas City does hold the tiebreaker in the, with the division record. So right now, San Diego, the L.A. Chargers, not San Diego, the Chargers are still the number five seed, but they're tied. If uh, Kansas City has a very tough game next week at Seattle, and San, uh, the Chargers host the Ravens, so both of them have a tough game. If they end up with the same record, Kansas City will win, will win the tiebreaker there. But, but L.A. could go from the five seed, could technically go to the one seed. If they win, if they win the rest of their games and Kansas City drops one, LA, the L.A. Chargers will be the number one seed in the AFC. Um, I would expect Kansas City to find a way to, to hold on to the division title and be the one or two seed in the AFC. With it, with, I, I think the Patriots could – uh, be the one or two, either the one or the two seed. Uh, the three seed will probably be the Houston Texans, and then you got then you got a battle for the AFC North. Whether it's the Baltimore or Pittsburgh will be the four seed. So, lots of interesting doings in the uh, AFC. Yeah, the Dallas Philadelphia game last week. It was a tremendous game. Went to overtime. The Cowboys score a touchdown in overtime to win it. Amari Cooper. Uh, Dak Prescott were, were excellent in the fourth quarter in overtime. I believe Mark Cooper had three touchdowns in the fourth quarter in overtime combined. Low-scoring game going into the second half. It was, I believe it was a 6 nothing game, and then the, the offensives, offenses came to life. There was some, some questionable officiating in that game. They called a touchdown back against Philadelphia. Turns out that Carson Wentz, Looks like he has a back injury that's that resulted from the game against the Cowboys, and looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the rem- the remainder of the regular season. The Eagles are now six and seven, unbelievable. Went from Super Bowl champions to probably not going to make the playoffs. You got Nick Foles coming into the mix this week in a must-win game in Los Angeles. Sunday night football versus the Rams. Um, again, just just a lot of dis a lot of. Uh, disarray in Philadelphia just haven't put everything together they're 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 lacking weapons on offense the offensive receivers are not great 
they, they, they don't run the ball enough with Josh Adams, who's a pretty decent running back in my opinion. And Carson Wentz just, and Nick Foles just haven't played as well as they played last year. So the Eagles are in big trouble. Uh, again, in the, a, in the NFC playoff situation, you, you've got the one seed is New Orleans. The two are the Rams. The three are the, the Bears. The four are the Cowboys. Uh, the five and the six seed, most likely the five seed will be the Seahawks after they, their big win on Monday night against the Vikings. And right now the Vikings are holding on to dear life to the sixth seed. Uh, Monday night in Seattle, the Vikings and the Seahawks went at it. Six-nothing defensive game. Both defenses are playing tremendous. We have late, about five and a half minutes to go. Six-nothing Seattle. Minnesota lines up to kick about a 35-yard field goal to get within 6-3. Bobby Wagner of the Seahawks clearly uses, catapults himself off his own player to jump over the center and block the field goal. A clear penalty for illegal leaping in the NFL. The officiating crew throws the flag and for some reason pick up the flag and wave the flag off, which was to me is an egregious call. Never should have done that. The flag was clearly thrown. It was a clear violation, would have given Minnesota first down and 10 at about the 12-yard line, 12-13 yard line with about five minutes to go. I think Minnesota would have won the game 7-6 to six at worst. I think they would have scored, have been up 7-6, and Russell Wilson would have had to drop, driven down for a game-winning field goal to win 9-7. In the end, the officiating crew picks up the flag. The Seahawks go down, score a touchdown, go up 13-0, end up winning the game 21-7. I was just very, very surprised the officiating crew picked up the flag. It was a clear violation. It was not a, you know, it was not a, uh, you know, wishy-wash, not sure what he did. I mean, he clearly catapulted himself with his hands by, by pushing off his own player to jump over the center to block the kick. Uh, I was just very, very surprised that, that, that they did that. So a little bit of controversy there. Minnesota fires their offensive coordinator following the game, John Filippo. Promote the quarterbacks coach. It's funny how Mike Zimmer has been the is a defensive guy. He's he, he wants him to run the ball more. They've they've gotten away from the run from Dalvin Cook and, and Latavius Murray. Minnesota's offensive line is not very good, to be honest with you. Kirk Cousins has not been has not played very well in big games. He's good against the teams that are the under 500 type teams, but he's not been very good in his career against the teams with winning records. He's been not very good on prime time games, Sunday night games, Monday night games. Um, it's just it's funny because because they paid him a boatload of money, eighty four million dollars guaranteed. He's got great receivers and Thielen and Diggs. He's got a pretty good running 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 backs and uh, Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray. The weak link there, in my opinion, is the offensive line. Not very not very much of uh, not very good run blockers and the pass protection is pretty dubious at best. Uh, but still, Kirk Cousins is is, is going to feel the heat. Got his offense. The offensive coordinator gets fired on on, on Tuesday morning. And those of you that don't remember, De Filippo was very prominent prominent in the success of the Eagles last year. He was the quarterbacks coach for Carson Wentz. They had an excellent relationship. Many people think that De Filippo will end up back on the Philadelphia Eagles staff either at the end of this at the end of the year as either the OC or as the uh, quarterback's coach. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. 
A lot of people were talking about Filippo being a, a head coaching candidate. I, I don't think that'll be the case with his struggles in Minnesota. This offseason, I think he'll need to go back to being a, a position coach or a coordinator to prove it for another year or two prior to getting an opportunity. Um, so, interesting doings in the National Football League. Week 14, now we're into week 15. You know, most people are, if you, those of you that are playing fantasy football, most of you are, uh, are in your semifinal round. I'm in the semifinals of both of my leagues. I, I was able to advance last week in my uh, Magic, Magic City Fantasy Football League. Good win. Thanks to Juju Smith-Schuster, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I had a dilemma going into the Thursday night game tonight. I had to decide whether I was going to play Damian Williams, who's the who was the running back in Kansas City with Spencer Ware being out. I rolled the dice. I started Damian Williams, and he delivered, buddy. So hopefully if you had Damian Williams tonight in your, in your on your fantasy team, you started him because he was money for me. He scored two touchdowns. He had, he had 20, 24, 25 points for me in my league. You know, great game. Had over 100 all-purpose yards, two scores. Uh, very, very good game. So uh, I, I started him in both of my leagues. I have him in both leagues. Uh, in my Tuscaloosa T-Town Fantasy Football League, I'm the I'm an I'm an undefeated number one seed. I'm 13 and 0 going into the semifinals. I had a bye last week, so I'm, I'm going for perfection. I, again, I made a great GMing move tonight. I had to, I, I I've been decimated by injury the last three or four weeks. I lost James Conner to injury. I lost Kareem Hunt due to suspension. So I've been having to kind of mix, mix and mash a running back situation. I've also got Christian McCaffrey who's been playing for me every week, but I've had to kind of piece it piecemeal together my second running back situation with the I had Jalen Samuels playing a little bit last week and then I was fortunate that that uh Spencer Ware got hurt in Kansas City, so I was able to plug in Damian Williams this the, tonight for my semifinal round and he he had a great start. So I look forward to uh, getting to the finals next week in both leagues. Hopefully we'll uh, get to the finals and cash, uh, win a little bit of money in both these leagues because uh, it's always nice to win a little fantasy football money around Christmas time. So, All right, so let's preview week 15 in the National Football League. We're going to make some game picks. I'm going to give you a couple fantasy tips as well. So we're going to go to Saturday night. Again, we talked about the game tonight. Kansas City, San Diego, tremendous game tonight. Uh, Damian Williams, big game on the fantasy front. Uh, good, pretty good, real good game out of Phillip Rivers and Patrick Mahomes. Mike Williams came out of nowhere. Keenan Allen was injured early in the game, so Mike Williams really stepped up for the Chargers and played very well, scored twice, um, and also had a two-point conversion. So uh, I don't think he was probably not getting started in many leagues, but if you had Phillip Rivers, you had Damian Williams, um, Tyreek Hill was pretty quiet. Kelsey had a good game, but the stars of the game tonight from a fantasy perspective were Mike Williams, Phillip Rivers, and Damian Williams. So, uh, great game tonight, 29-28 final. Sandy, or the Chargers of LA, get it done in Arrowhead. Big up, big comeback, fourth quarter comeback. Uh, I would have, t I, my thought was Kansas City was going to win the game, and... That's why they play the game. So let's go to Saturday night. We're, this is the one of a couple weeks we're going to have Saturday night football. You're going to have, in the early game, you're going to have the Houston Texans traveling to New York to face the Jets. Looks like 
for the Jets. Their two big offensive weapons, Anunwa and Isaiah Crowell, will not be playing due to injury. Then you've got Deshaun Watson. You've got Hopkins. You've got Lamar Miller. Uh, you've got Sam Darnold back in the fold after a nice win last week in Buffalo. Yeah, lots of people thinking Todd Bowles is on his way out in New York, so kind of playing out the strings. We interested to see how the Jets respond to playing in prime time. Again, a big game for Houston. They need to win the game, not necessarily for the division, but they, they're still vying for the one or two seed in the AFC, which would give them a bye week. So definitely a game to, to be aware of for the Houston Texans. I look for the Houston Texans to get it done in New York. Dominant defense, front four defense, not very good on the back end, but a very good front four with J.J. Watt, Clowney, Whitney Merciless. Um, I think the Houston offense will be a little bit too much. Again, Houston took a loss last week, the first loss after breaking a nine-game winning streak. Um, they are actually a ten, yeah, nine-game winning streak. They're nine and four now. The Colts went into Houston last week with a big win, won 24-21. And, uh, but I look for the Houston Texans to rebound this week and go, go on the road in New York and get it done. In the second game on Saturday, you have a pretty interesting game. You have the, the Denver Broncos hosting the Cleveland Browns. The Broncos got beat pretty soundly last week against the 49ers. I actually called that game last week. I predicted that upset. I really thought the Niners were going to get them last week. The, you know, Denver struggles on offense. Um, tough game on the road, traveling. The Niners have been playing fairly competitively, and I'm just I'm a fan of Kyle Shanahan. Uh, so the Niners upset the Broncos, which really put a damper on the Broncos' playoff hopes. They're still in the mix, but they're seven and six. A must-win game for the for Denver this week against Cleveland. Cleveland playing much better as in the last four or five weeks with Greg Williams at the helm. Baker Mayfield and company beat the Carolina Panthers last week in a good, very good game. So I, I, I got a feeling Denver's going to find a way to get it done tight late, late in the game. But I think it's going to be a very good game in Mile High. Check out Baker Mayfield. I think from a fantasy perspective, you got Nick Chubb, you have Philip Lindsay, you got Jarvis Landry, and you got possibly Baker Mayfield will be my my top four guys fantasy wise in that game. Um, I do have Jarvis Landry playing for me on my team, so he'll be in the lineup for me. But definitely Nick Chubb. If you have Chubb or Lindsey, play those guys. Should be some points in that game. Uh, the defenses are, not, are, not, are a little bit depleted. Denver's lost a couple guys in the last couple weeks with Chris Harris going down, Emmanuel Sanders. And the Cleveland defense is, is a little bit vulnerable as well. So I would expect some points in this game. I'll lean Denver. Uh, I think they're minus two and a half, three points. I would, I would lean Denver in the game. Not a strong opinion, but I'd lean Denver. Sunday, Minnesota hosting the Miami Dolphins. Again, another kind of elimination game probably for both teams. A must-have game for the Vikings at home. I definitely look for the Vikings to, to bounce back. Um, I don't think Miami is, is going to be able to go on the road to Minnesota to win the game. I think Minnesota is going to win the game probably handily. I think Minnesota will win by 10 to 14 points. I would definitely take Minnesota minus a 7.5 at home. Fantasy guys, again, I'd look out for Cooks, or De Dalvin Cook, uh, Kenyon Drake. I would look out for, I think you're going to see a good game out of the Minnesota offense. I think you're going to see a lot of Dalvin Cook. You're going to see Thielen and Diggs get some, get some production. So I definitely would take Minnesota this week. Uh, Bozo game of the week, Oakland heading to Cincinnati. You know, 
who cares from a fantasy perspective, probably the only guys that people are going to maybe have playing in a fantasy situation might be Joe Mixon, A.J. Green out for the year. I think Joe Mixon's probably the only viable player to be to be considered in this game. Uh, I'll take Cincinnati at home. Cincinnati took the Chargers deep into the game last week, missed, missed a two-point conversion late to, to, to take that game to overtime, played pretty well. Oakland. Again, all coming off a big upset of the Steelers, traveling on the road, probably going to be cold in Cincinnati. I'm going to take the Bengals at home, minus the three. Um, the Raiders, in another non-surprising move, Gruden, John Gruden definitely showing the, the power, uh, that he's got the power in that organization. Basically, uh, Mark Davis fired the general manager this week, Reggie McKenzie. So uh, definitely Gruden is definitely uh, yielding some power in Oakland. Would not be surprised to see Bruce Allen or Mark Do a guy like Mark Dominic reunite with John Gruden. Both those guys had ties with Gruden back in Tampa. So those would be the two names I think I would look out for there in Oakland as general manager candidates once the season's over would be Bruce Allen, Mark Dominic. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes. And again, I think, I think Oakland will lose the game in Cincinnati with Jeff Driscoll. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, my Bucks head to Baltimore. Very tough loss last week for the Bucks. The Bucks were up 14-3 against the Saints. Uh, Mid-third quarter, a block punt kind of turned that game around, and the Saints went on to win, scored 25 uh, points in a row, ended up winning 28-14. Very tough loss, virtually ending the Buccaneers' playoff hopes. Had they won that game, they would have been right in the thick of it. Everybody else in the NFC near vying for the sixth seed lost last week, so the Bucks would have been in a great spot to be right in the mix for a playoff spot. Just very disappointing. The defense played pretty well last week, uh, but could not uh, offensively muster any points against that New Orleans defense, which is kind of surprising. Going up to Baltimore to play, play the Ravens, who are sticking with Lamar Jackson. Uh, Harbaugh came out yesterday and said Lamar Jackson is going to start. Flacco will be the backup. The Ravens lost a heartbreaker themselves last week in Kansas City. Um, Ravens minus eight. I would take the Bucks in the eight points. I think this is going to be a very good game. I think it's going to be very close going to the fourth quarter. I'm going to I'm going to say the Bucks in a, in, a, in an upset. I think the passing game of Tampa is going to be the the difference in this game. Uh, I'm just not sold on Lamar Jackson throwing the ball. I know Baltimore's got a good defense, but I'm going to take the Bucks in an upset. We're going to say 24-20 to 20 in an upset. Uh, take the eight points. Dallas Cowboys head to Indianapolis in another interesting game. Cowboys won five in a row, have now got firm control of the NFC East. The Colts with a big win last week in Houston. Andrew Luck and company got it done down in Houston to go to seven and six and stay right there in the number in the wild card hunt in the AFC. Indy minus three at uh, hosting the Cowboys. I think the defense of the Cowboys is going to get a, get just enough, do just enough. I'm going to take Dallas in the three. Detroit heading to Buffalo. Woo, that's a rough game. All I'll say here is I'm going to take Detroit in the two points. Detroit won last week in Arizona. Buffalo lost last week at home to the Jets. Give me Detroit plus the two. This is for you, Michael Banks, Motown, Detroit Rock City. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions plus the two on the road in Buffalo. Green Bay Packers head to Chicago. Soldier Field minus six Chicago. 
trying to solidify their NFC North. They're still in a race for the NFC North. A very emphatic win last Sunday night against the, the Rams. The defense was devastating with four turnovers, four interceptions, several sacks, a safety, just enough offense out of the Bears, even though Mitch Trubisky still a little sketchy on the at the quarterback position. He would scare me in a big game on the road in the playoffs. I do not trust Mitch Trubisky to go to New Orleans or go to L.A. to win the game, even though their defense will keep them in the game. I don't think Trubisky can get it done in a big playoff game. Uh, this week, Chicago Bears minus six. Packers still have faint playoff hopes alive. They, they, uh, they played pretty well last week against the Falcons. Give me Chicago to win a close one. I would uh, – I don't have an opinion on the point spread, but I think Chicago wins a close one. Tennessee Titans go to New York. Fresh off their 240-yard game out of Derrick Henry. The Giants are minus two and a half. I like the tech, I like the Titans here. Uh, I like their rugged style. OBJ, Beckham, Odell Beckham is questionable with a quad injury. Uh, Saquon Barkley had a tremendous game last week against the Redskins. Had an, about 170 yards rushing. But I like the Titans here. I think the defense accompanied with Derrick Henry in the, in the running game is going to be just enough to get it done in a tight game, low scoring, 20-17 uh, to 17 kind of game in my opinion. So I'll take the Titans. The Redskins head to Jacksonville, another bad game. Um, the Redskins starting Josh Johnson at quarterback. Are you kidding me? Versus Cody Kessler. Woo! I hope you don't have any fantasy players on these teams. Maybe, maybe Leonard Fournette and the maybe the Jacksonville defense are the only two viable players in this game, in my opinion. Uh, I'll, I'll take Jacksonville to win again. An ugly game, kind of a I would say twenty-four to thirteen kind of game, twenty-four to seven kind of game. I just don't see the Redskins being able to muster any offense. Boy, looking at this schedule this week, there are some garbage games in the NFL, buddy. Woo! Arizona Cardinals heading to Atlanta. Both teams are, are long gone out of the playoff hunt. Atlanta minus nine points. Boy, I got no opinion on that game. Fantasy-wise, I would say the only the, the players of interest are going to be Julio, Matt Ryan, maybe David Johnson, but he's, he's, he's got a nagging little injury. I would probably only my only guys I'd be worried in that game would be Julio and Matt Ryan. God, that's a bad game. Seattle Seahawks head to San Francisco in a, in a must in a must have game for the Seahawks. You got Seattle minus four, short week, division foe. I think the Seahawks will get it done just enough, but it would not it would not surprise me if this game goes deep into the fourth quarter. You've got uh, again fantasy wise, you got Russell Wilson, you got Chris Carson for the Niners. You got potentially Nick Mullins with some uh, against a very tough Seattle defense. You got Jeffrey Wilson, who's the running back in San Francisco now. Now that Breida is hurt, um, you know, running lots of running in this game. I, I think this will again. I think this will be a low scoring game. The Seahawks are gonna are a run dominant, are the the best rushing team in the league. Very solid defense. Uh, I'm going to take the Seahawks here, and again, in a close game, six, seven-point game. 
the 4 p.m. special, maybe the game of the week, the New England Patriots head to Pittsburgh to see Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger in the, in the reeling Steelers. Steelers have lost three in a row. Just all kind of you know drama surrounding the Steelers. James Conner still hurt. You know, the controversy could Ben have come back in the game. The Steelers just losing games they just shouldn't be losing. Had zero business losing that game last week to the Raiders. The Patriots coming off the Miami Miracle situation. You know, very interesting game. Tom Brady has owned the Steelers six and two lifetime against Tomlin. You know, this is this is a, a nut crunching kind of game for both teams. Got to have the both teams got to have the game. Uh, New England for home field advantage purposes to, to try to acquire the one or two seed. Steelers won just to get in the playoffs. Pittsburgh needs to has to win one of these next two games, either home against New England or on the road next week against New Orleans. Got to win one of those two games. New England minus two. And you know what I've told you guys over the over the course of this podcast. The Patriot rules. When the Patriots are th- three, four points or less, road, home, I don't care who they're playing, you play the Patriots. And I'm going to say that one more time. The Patriot rules. Minus two this week. Give me the Patriots. Three, four-point game. High-scoring game. Lots of fantasy options in this game. You got Juju Smith, you got Antonio Brown, you got Big Ben, you got Brady, you got Gronk. You have, I think Josh Gordon's going to be a big factor in this game. Sony Michelle could be a potential uh, fantasy guy in this game. So lots of fantasy guys. The question is, who's going to play running back for the Steelers? Is it going to be James Conner? I don't think so. What kind of reports are they? He's not, still not practicing. Do the Steelers trust Jalen Samuels enough? Against the uh, against the suspect New England defense, both defenses are suspect. So I think you're going to see a lot of action, a lot of yards, a lot of points in Pittsburgh. Give me the Patriots 34-30 in a shootout kind of situation. Um, this it's just hard for me to believe that the Patriots one are going to lose two games in a row and two uh, the way they lost last week. I would definitely not be anticipating any any of those kind of situational mistakes at the end. Uh, Sunday night, you got the Rams hosting the Eagles. This was going to be, a, on paper, this was going to be a great game with Carson Wentz and company, but now that Wentz is out, you got Nick Foles starting. The Rams are minus 11 and a half. Again, I think you're going to see the Rams bounce back after they've had two kind of suspect performances the last couple weeks. Played very poorly against the uh, against the Bears last week. Just totally abandoned the run. Just too much throwing out of Sean McVay. So I would definitely expect to see a much more balanced attack out of the Rams. Gurley's going to get 20 carries. I hope he doesn't blow up because I'm playing against him. So, Todd, I'll give you 100 yards, but not. we can't have more than one touchdown, man. We can't be rolling for 140 and three touchdowns. I can't have that. But we'll give you 20 carries for, let's say, 95 to 100 yards, and we'll give you a touchdown. But please, please, calm down. Philly, the only way Philly stays in this game, in my opinion, is if you give Josh Adams a bunch of carries – you got to keep the game close. You got to try to keep it a low-scoring game because Nick Foles is not going to go out and score 30 points in LA. Uh, 24 is probably the max they're going to be able to get with with Nick Foles. Run the ball with Josh Adams. He's proven to be durable. He's proven to be reliable. He's gotten. He's running the ball well. You just don't give him enough carries. So give the guy the ball. Fantasy-wise, I think you're going to see again Gurley, Golf, uh, uh, Brandon Cooks. 
For the Eagles, I think Josh Adams is a, is, a, is a sleeper guy here. If you have Josh Adams in your roster, look to potentially play him. Uh, maybe maybe Alshon Jeffrey here, because if they get behind early, they're going to be throwing the ball. So I could see Alshon Jeffrey getting some, some, some fantasy value this week. But I'll definitely take the Rams to rebound. Monday Night Football, NFC South matchup, battle, division battle, the Saints. Head to Charlotte to see Scam Newton in the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are reeling. Lots of speculation about Ron Rivera's job security. Um, they're now six and seven. They were six and two at one point. Have lost five in a row. Uh, Cam Newton again played better last week. Not, not not nearly the turnovers, but clearly dealing dealing with a shoulder injury. The Saints have been struggling the last couple weeks scoring. Uh, they were very fortunate last week in Tampa. After the block punt situation, they got beat by Dallas. So they, they've struggled offensively the last two weeks. So I, I uh, Again, division teams that know each other very well. Um, fantasy guys, you got Kamara, you got McCaffrey, you got Drew Brees, you got Mike Thomas. Uh, maybe a sleeper might be a guy like Ian Thomas, the tight end, who's taken over for Greg Olson. Um, again, I think the fantasy guys, to, again, to, to, I think you're going to see a lot of Kamara this week. They need to get Kamara back involved in the offense more on the you know the perimeter. He's been he's been fairly quiet the last two three weeks, uh, so I, I would look for an emphasis to get Kamara touches. And but I think this is going to be a close game. I think Carolina is going to take this. I think New Orleans is going to steal this game late in the game. I think I think Carolina plus the six is a good bet. It's a desperation game for for the Panthers. I think you're going to see Cam Newton and McCaffrey play pretty well. And so give me the Saints to win the game, but I'll take Carolina in the six. So quick quick update on the MLB winter meetings. You had, uh, the, obviously, it's the Bryce Harper, Manny Machado sweepstakes. Lots of rumors about a couple of teams, the White Sox, the Phillies, the Dodgers, and the Yankees seem to be the four teams in the mix for Bryce Harper. Machado, I think you're going to see in the mix with the, with the Phillies, the Yankees. Uh, I don't think he's in, in line to go to L.A., I think he's going to go either the Phillies or the Yankees. Sounds like the Phillies are looking to make a big, big splash this offseason. I know the Phillies are in the – they just signed Andrew McCutcheon. They're in the running for Dallas Keuchel. The Phillies are going to make a big move. I think the Phillies either get uh, Harper or Machado would be my guess. The Rays are making the, – the Rays and the Indians are making some moves. Seattle Mariners are making some trades. Um, the Boston Red Sox are looking to make a couple trades. So it's been a fairly – uh, nothing dramatic has been not a humongous deal that's been 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 uh, orchestrated at the at the winter meetings, but a lot of things are in in motion. Uh, the Mariners acquired Encarnacion, the Indians reacquired Carlos Santana. Lots of speculation that Encarnacion is going to get traded to the Rays. The Rays just signed Charlie Morton yesterday, a, a frontline starter for him to go with uh, Blake Snell. That'll be a good one-two punch for Tampa. Um, so I think you're going to see some uh, some improvement out of the Rays. And that's, a, that's a good signing for them, in my opinion. You have uh, all indications are is that the Indians are either going to – are looking to potentially trade Corey Kluber. So that'll be interesting to see where he lands. Um, so lots of interesting doings. You'll, see, you'll hear some more baseball uh, uh, news here in the next few days. Probably right before, up until a couple days before Christmas, they'll take a little break, and then the, it'll get really heavy come January first. So, be 
be staying on top of the the hot stove. We'll, we'll, we'll stay on top of the major league uh, baseball uh, offseason. Probably going to have at some point in January. We're probably going to have Kevin Kiermeyer, the center fielder for the Rays, on the podcast. I'm uh, working on the details of that. We're also going to have a podcast here very soon about the talking about the sports media. We're going to have a uh, probably a producer from a from a Spectrum Sports here in Tampa. We're going to have a uh, my my buddy Andrew Felios, who's the play by play guy for ESPN. I'm working on a couple of other media personalities here, uh, sports media guys here in Tampa to get them on the podcast. We're going to have a nice, good discussion about the sports media, the the, the state of sports media and reporting and all that kind of good broadcasting in, in, in sports uh, coming up. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to also going to have an interview with uh, high school coaching legend here in the Tampa Bay area, Earl Garcia, who just broke the Hillsborough County wins record in the 2018 season. So going to get talk to him. Uh, so lots of, lots of cool interviews coming up. And again, reminder, I'll be in Las Vegas. I'll probably be recording the podcast from Las Vegas next week. So looking forward to that. Be ho- be uh, broadcasting the Duel in the Desert Women's Basketball Tournament. So again, love to hear your feedback. Twitter at Kick the FB. Check us out on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn. Uh, gonna try to get up on Spotify as well. We're gonna be getting on Pandora here very soon. So definitely tell a friend to take a listen to the podcast. Love to have you. Have a great weekend. And hope all of your picks turn into winners. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Have a great weekend.